This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the 343 Podcast. On this episode, Joey and I discuss some of the misconceptions of possession soccer. It's pretty common to see members of the media or people on Twitter attempting to discredit possession-based soccer. One example of this is how Pep Guardiola and Manchester City are frequently talked about in the media when they do anything other than completely dominate their opponent. And as Joey points out in this episode, most people fail to realize that the level of the Premier League has been raised in recent years, which could be a direct result of Pep and his possession-based soccer. We also discuss how players at virtually every level, including young kids and even the U.S. men's national team, can play possession-based soccer. But the coach is responsible for making this happen. Yes, the coach is critical. If you're a coach and you want to start playing possession-based soccer, the 343 Premium Membership is a simple and powerful program that can help you accelerate your development. When you sign up, you get instant access to all of the tools that teach you the proven 343 methodology. You get a library of match footage, training sessions, ebooks, audio lessons, classroom presentations, and on-field clinics that demonstrate how possession soccer can be played here in the United States. And with your membership, you also have access to the entire network of 343 coaches with the exclusive members-only forums. This is where you can communicate and exchange ideas with other coaches that are going through the program. You get all of that for just $295, which is a fraction of the price of what other coaching courses cost in this country. You can learn more about the benefits of joining the 343 Premium Coaching Membership Program by visiting 343coaching.com. And if you just listen to that and you're thinking to yourself, well, what if I'm not a coach? Maybe you are a parent or a personal trainer. Well, our Player Development Masterclass is going to be offering training and mentorship for smarter individual player development. And through this exclusive online course, you're going to have greater access to the mind of one of our country's top talent developers, Brian Kleiben. And you're going to receive focused, proven individual training methods and education. Now, that course isn't fully launched yet. It's on the cusp of launching. But right now, you can get yourself on the priority enrollment list by visiting 343masterclass.com. The people on that priority list will be the first to know when registration opens, which is important because registration will only be open for two weeks. Once again, you can visit 343masterclass.com to find out more details. All right, let's get into today's episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you enjoy this chat with Joey Cassio on the 343 podcast. This podcast, we are going to discuss the topic of possession soccer and some of the misconceptions that people have about possession soccer, specifically how it is played, where it can be played, who it can be played by. And there are a lot of different rabbit holes that we can go down. We are going to try to stay within the realm of possession soccer for this entire podcast. 
Uh, Joey Cassio, welcome back to the show, man. Let's talk about possession soccer. Let's start with maybe this this idea that soccer or possession soccer cannot be played at certain levels or in certain leagues or by certain genders even and and maybe just a general reaction to that thought because i'm sure as a youth soccer coach you've experienced that at some point in your in your coaching career so what's your what's your idea or what's your what's your thought when it comes to people that say possession soccer cannot be played at a certain level or in a certain league or by a certain gender it's complete nonsense it's down to uh, you know setting up your team to to play well uh building a collective performance amongst the players so that they can succeed it can happen at any level from from u8 youth players to all the way to the, the pro level so yeah it can be done at basically anywhere one of the more popular examples when it comes to you know the criticism of possession soccer has been pep guardiola and to the extent where people call him pep fraud fraudiola i don't know how you would pronounce that but basically calling him a fraud for his style of soccer and that really became prevalent when pep moved to the premier league with manchester city and it was you know widely thought that his style of coaching or his style of football would not translate to the premier league what are what are your thoughts on that or what are your what are your reactions in regards to pep style that translating to the premier league and and what you know what are some of the misconceptions around that yeah if if we look at his body of work this is what his fourth season now in the first season in england yeah he didn't he he qualified for the champions league but for Pep's standards you know he didn't he didn't reach the heights that he had reached with Bayern Munich and Barcelona so a lot of the media were saying that oh Guardiola can't play his way of of football in England you know it's the physicality is too much of a problem and a lot of the questions to Guardiola in the press conferences were hey are you going to change your tactics now that you've seen that you can't execute this way of football and his response was always like, absolutely not. Like the principles will remain the same. And so going into year two, you know, it, it, it was a process for Guardiola, maybe small tweaks to his same principles of play. And in year two, Man City just dominated everybody, uh, set records in terms of points and all that in the league. Year two, same thing, Liverpool the way I see it is they made Liverpool better. Like they, they sort of raised the standard of Liverpool because Liverpool knew that they had to reach new heights to compete with Manchester City. Uh, Man City won again, back-to-back titles, playing that, that same way, possession football, dominating possession all over the place. And then obviously now in year four, it's a little bit different. But uh, yeah, the media likes to, to say that, you know, in the beginning it was, oh, you can't play this way. Uh, year two and year three for Guardiola, they everyone was full of praise. And this year, okay, the, the levels dropped a little bit, and now everyone's saying like, oh, you know, Guardiola's been figured out. You know, the the rest of the league knows what to to look for now, and it's all of that is nonsense. This is really funny to me because people try to use like single results as a way to restart this narrative that possession soccer cannot be played in the premier league. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's nonsense. And you know, man city in year two, 
the level that they were playing at, the rest of the of the league knew that they had to raise their standard and demand more of themselves to try to compete. And that's part of the beauty of, uh, you know, a, a league based on meritocracy. So I think that just Man City, their collective body of work over the, the three and a half years now with Guardiola, it's completely raised the standard of football in the Premier League. And none, every team in the league doesn't necessarily play possession soccer or try to play exactly like uh, Guardiola's team. But overall, they all have to perform at a certain level to, to compete with them. So it's gotten harder in year four for Guardiola. But yeah, it, he he crushed the myth that you can't play his way of possession football in the Premier League. It, it was nonsense. Maybe we can get into this misconception is that possession soccer has to look exactly like the way Manchester City plays it, which is complete and total domination of, of the ball. But there are different types of possession soccer and, and other teams in the Premier League play that that way. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I think you see this with Jose Mourinho a lot. Against the lower level teams, his teams will will dominate possession. But when when they play teams that uh, probably are better than them in in possessing the ball, then Mourinho changes his way of playing to like sitting back, compact lines of defense. Uh, and then when they win it, they they try to counterattack. There, there's different ways of of playing, you know, based on who the opponent is. Um, some coaches do things differently, but it all it all revolves around being able to keep possession of the ball. It, even if you're not considered a possession-based team where you have the overall, like, uh, you have more of the possession percentage throughout the game, you still got to be able to keep the ball, you know. Uh, Antonio Conte's teams are good at that. Mourinho's been good at that in the past where they win the ball. They're, they're very efficient in possession. They try to attack it as quick as possible. Guardiola is different. He likes to completely control the game by owning the ball and defend by owning the ball. Uh, I think that's what was different for Guardiola in the Premier League was when his team, when Man City would lose the ball, the way that the English teams would play was very direct and, and balls over the top. And he wasn't necessarily used to that in the countries that he'd been in before. So he had to adjust. He had to adjust how they would play when, when they lost possession of the ball. But yeah, Guardiola, same principles. Uh, other other coaches in the Premier League, they have their way of playing, but it all revolves around being able to keep possession. Let's talk about some of the misconceptions when it comes to possession soccer in the United States. So we have some experience coaching here at the youth soccer level, and I'm sure that you've experienced what I've experienced where people tell you, oh, it can't be done here at this level. It can't be done here in the United States. What's your response to that? Again, nonsense. I think uh, if if you do a good job of educating the players, they can they can execute possession possession soccer. Um, it, it can take time. I think uh, one of the big problems is is you know it's a process of getting to the point of being able to execute possession soccer at a good level and and uh, being able to then win games because of it. That, that's a process. Usually early on in the process, uh, things aren't perfect, you make mistakes, you get scored on, you lose games. So I think there's an unwillingness sometimes to go through the process of getting very, very good at playing that way of football. 
uh, it takes it takes courage. It takes courage from the coach to be able to go through that process of uh, teaching the players how to do it. Do you think it would be it would be fair to say that playing direct style soccer actually has um, a few more or, or a heightened technical demand on certain players because now you're asking players to bring the ball out of the air. You're asking players to control the ball off bounces and off crosses and and things like that. So wouldn't that be harder to play than playing simple passes and, and playing like simple possession style soccer? Yeah, I think it could be considered harder. Um, you're playing direct. You're playing balls further up the field. It's much harder to be accurate with a longer range pass like that. And then you're asking someone to bring the ball out of the air and they're probably going up against another defender to try to win that ball. Um, you hear a lot of coaches say like 50-50 balls. Like once it's in the air like that, if if there's a defender on the player that you're playing it to, it's basically a 50-50. All right, who's going to win that 50-50 ball? Ball comes down, maybe the second ball. Who's going to win the second ball? There's a lot you're leaving up to chance there. Whereas if you're, you know, playing a possession style of play, you can you can have more control of things uh, as you're trying to to make your way up the field. I would say more direct style tends to be a little more chaotic, and it's easier to lose control of the game as opposed to. When you're playing possession soccer, you, it's more likely that if you're executing well enough, you can have more control. Let's talk about some of the examples of people that have demonstrated that possession soccer can be played here in the United States and can be played at any level here in the United States. So the first one that maybe we can highlight is at the college soccer level, we've seen a, a coach like Caleb Porter demonstrate that possession soccer can be played in an environment that is widely considered to be not conducive to possession soccer. So what's what's your thought about that? Yeah, you hear a lot of uh, people say that it's a lot like Guardiola in England. A lot of people will say that in college soccer, you can't play possession soccer. It's not possible. So it's very similar to uh, what we talked about with Guardiola in, in England, but Caleb Porter was able to do it and crush that myth. Again, NCAA soccer, it can be done. You just have to go through the process and you have to be very good at having a vision and communicating that vision with the players. Okay, so let's talk about an example that you're more familiar with. Brian Kleiben, coach that we are both very familiar with, has demonstrated at multiple levels that possession soccer can can be played at the youth club level. And I got a question the other day on Twitter asking me at what age can players start playing possession-based soccer? And Brian Kleiben has demonstrated that it can be done at U9, U10, U11, all the way through U19. And then he's graduated those players onto playing professional soccer now. So can possession soccer be played at the youth level here in the United States? Yes, of course. And using Brian as an example, yeah multiple teams, multiple age groups, even both female and male. Um, every one of his teams I've seen have executed a possession style of play at a high enough level to get results, to consistently win games. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I gravitated towards Brian, because you just don't see that. It's, it's very rare that you see um, a style of play executed like Brian's teams would execute and then be able to dominate 
in the results column as well. Yeah, you mentioned that he's done it at, at multiple levels or with both genders. And I think that's important to highlight too, because a lot of people might only realize or might only recognize Brian's name from being the coach of, you know, Ephra, of Alex, of Uli. But one of the more interesting stats that I remember seeing a long time ago is Brian winning Surf Cup. He His teams won the tournament one summer at U9, U10, and U11. And I believe that one of those teams repeated either back-to-back or back-to-back-to-back playing possession-style soccer, which was unheard of 10 years ago in the United States. So Brian was demonstrating that at that level, you know, all the way back then and continued to demonstrate that through the guys' youth careers all the way up until they played, you know, U18, U19 football with, with LA Galaxy, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, that, that example of the of the three age groups winning Surf Cup, it points to his ability to establish a culture across a club, an entire club and not just one team. And then later on at the Galaxy, the same thing. It wasn't just one team. There, there, there were players developed to the national team level across multiple age groups. Very difficult to do. And I know one of the things you wanted to talk about, Joey, was the the system that players play in and how that enables them or how that brings out different characteristics in a player or how a coach can influence a player positively or negatively. And maybe you can talk about some examples of a player playing in a possession-based system or playing for a coach that is possession-based versus not there's multiple examples uh, across football of of this and here in america we we like to focus on uh the individual aspects of a player and say that you know you take player x and you put them in any team and they're the same player and that's not true uh they you know each player has skill sets uh they have a certain level of of potential and then how far that potential is taken has a lot to do with, you know, the, the culture that they are working in every day, the system of play that they are working in every day. And you see uh, certain coaches seem to have the ability to bring out higher standards in, in players. So we talked about Guardiola. Uh, we look at his Man City as an example. Raheem Sterling under Guardiola has reached new heights as a player. Uh, specifically his ability to finish and punish off punish plays. And he's now linked with Real Madrid. You look at the Bruyne at Chelsea, at Wolfsburg, and now at Man City under Guardiola. He's considered one of the top players in the world. Another example more recent is Laporte, who was at Athletic Bilbao. Uh, a lot of people really didn't know who he was before he got to Man City. And last year he was a key member of winning, winning the premier league. Uh, then another example is Bielsa at Leeds. When he took over Leeds, I believe the team finished like 15th in the second division of England before he came. And then year one of Bielsa's work, you know, he took a roster that not a lot of people were excited about and they finished in the playoffs. Like, a lot of people, I know I know a guy who supports Leeds, they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe what, what he was able to do in the first season with that same roster of players. So he elevated those players to play at a higher standard. And now year two of Bielsa's work at Leeds, 
Um, I believe they're they're either at the top of the league themselves or maybe tied on points with West Brom. And then they just played Arsenal the other day and the first half against Arsenal completely dominated them playing possession soccer with players that a lot of people would consider not anywhere close to the level of individual talent on Arsenal. So Bielsa has elevated those players. Uh, and then if we look at U.S. examples, so Pulisic, if you watch Pulisic play with Chelsea, and I know he hasn't consistently started, but when he has played with Chelsea, uh, you you look at his performances compared to his performances with the national team, much, much different. Uh, Tim Ream, someone that we highlighted uh, in past games and just some fundamentals uh that he did not execute with the national team. And then you look at his performances with Fulham, it looks like a different player. Same thing with Serginho Dest, the, the, the few games that he's played now with the U.S. Uh, compared to his time at Ajax. At Ajax, he looks very, very good. And then with the national team, uh, not so much. It's completely different. And that has to do with the culture that they're working in, uh, the preparation for, for the games with each team. So coaches have such a, a big role in even – pro players, uh, their development and their ability to reach new standards. Let's talk more about Tim Ream. I know I've made the comments about Tim Ream on Twitter, calling him a lunch specialist. And that was more in regards to his play with the U S men's national team. And then also times that I've watched him play with, um, you know, different teams over the years and him not being a good, in my opinion, a, a good player for a possession based system but like you pointed out with his current with his current club team and the current coach that's in place there they are attempting to play a different style of football and that is not something that i believe tim ream has been part of uh, you know throughout the course of his career right so this is tim now playing on a team that is attempting to play this certain style of, of football and you're seeing a different type of player so this is going back to your point is that, you know, the environment or the system can, or the coach can drastically influence the player. So what are some of the things that a coach can come in and change immediately with a player like Tim Ream, for example? Let's start with this. Like We both know Tim Ream is no Gerard PK or anything like that, but he is competent enough to play in a possession style of play. So, yeah, using some examples from the national team, which we pointed out before, like if you're going to play possession soccer, the back four have to have an understanding of where to position themselves, uh, what sort of spacing they need to be able to make the decisions and, and execute passes to be able to keep the ball, um, you know, their body shape so they, they can see majority of the field uh, so that they know that, okay, hey, the right back has the ball. There's not any space over there, so let's swing it around and play it to the left back. Well, if you can't see the left back, then you don't know to play the left back. So I think a lot of what we saw from Tim Ream with the national team was basic fundamentals like that, like setting himself up before the ball got to him to be able to keep the ball for the team and try to try to move possession forward for the team. That Those kinds of things... I believe, are the responsibility of the coach, uh, the positioning, the spacing, rehearsing with the players so that they, they know what to look for, the scenarios to look for, and then that leads to what decisions to make 
uh, so that they can execute moving the ball forward with possession of the ball. I'm glad you brought up the importance of the coach in that in that role because you have a player that can execute the basics, the fundamentals, and at that point, all it becomes is coaching and the coach being able to bring more out of that player. And you cited somebody like Raheem Sterling earlier or like Kevin De Bruyne, players that possess those things. Those were these skills were inside of these players, you know, for their probably for their careers. It's not like Pep is is um, reinventing the entire player, but he's extracting more out of these players um, in in these situations. So I'm glad you brought that up. And of course, there's a ton of different directions we can go with the rest of this conversation. Possession soccer is a very, very deep topic. We can continue to talk about the technical aspects. We can continue to talk about the tactical aspects, the mentality, the the physicality, the all kinds of different aspects that go into playing possession-based soccer. So we'll get into that in future episodes. But I feel like today's episode it gives you a good foundation for understanding that possession soccer can and should be played at all levels of soccer, whether you're talking about Pep Guardiola in Manchester City in the Premier League or you're talking about U9s, U10s, U11s here in Southern California and everything in between. So in future episodes, we'll talk more about that. As always, if you want to continue this conversation, you can go to 343coaching.com and you can leave us a comment on this episode's page, or you can always reach us on Twitter. You can find Joey at Casio underscore FG, and you can reach me at that Croatian guy. All right. Thank you for listening. And we will catch you guys next time here on the 343 podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast. If you are interested in accelerating your development as a coach and learning more about possession-based soccer, you can visit 343coaching.com and sign up for our premium coaching membership program. That is where you will get access to video, audio, and ebook lessons that will help you reduce your trial and error time by showing you the methods that have been proven to work in the American soccer environment are an ambitious coach and you want to start learning the tried and true methods that have already been proven to work in the American soccer environment, you can visit 343coaching.com to learn more about our coaching programs. Once again, that is 343coaching.com. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast and we will catch you next time.